Hi, I'm Dr. Amy Robbins, and welcome to Life, Death, and the Space Between podcast. I'm a clinical psychologist and medium, and here we explore life, death, consciousness, and what it all means. Chris Batts is on the show today. Chris is an author and motivational speaker who had a near-death experience that happened after a suicide attempt. In his book, Boom, The Life and Times of a Suicide Near-Death Experiencer, Chris goes into detail about his life, what led up to a suicide attempt, and how his life has changed after. One of Chris's missions is to get the word out about suicide prevention. Many people who go through the dark times and depression don't realize how much they are loved. God's message to Chris was go and tell everyone that I love them. Welcome Chris to the show today. A few things to talk about before we get started with today's episode. If you have not subscribed to my newsletter yet, I have some exciting things coming out in the next weeks, months, unclear how long it's going to take me to get it together, but there will be some stuff coming out and I don't want you to miss it. So head on over to dramyrobbins.com and subscribe to my newsletter. And I also wanted to tell everybody about an amazing opportunity with IANS. IANS is the International Association for Near-Death Studies, and their 2020 conference is online. This year's theme is Unlocking the Healing Wisdom of NDEs, and the program is packed to the brim with fantastic speakers and experts to guide newcomers and seasoned experiencers alike through the mysterious world of near-death experiences, spirits, and the afterlife. This conference, again, is online via Zoom, August 14th to 16th, and you can visit IANS.org for more info. That is I-A-N-D-S.org. And many of the speakers who have been on this show in the past are also members of IANS. It's an amazing organization that really promotes the work, so much of the work that I'm doing on this show in terms of bringing to light many people's spiritual experiences and spiritually transformative experiences. So head on over and check that out. And now to today's show. Thank you for having me. It's such an honor to speak with you after reading your book because there's so many directions we could take this. And I want to I want to give the listeners a little glimpse into your life and experience because your resilience is pretty remarkable. Okay, well, I guess summarize. I'll summarize it the best I can. Um, so it also my life was pretty tragic. Um, it started off basically at six months old. My mom, she was a aspiring model and she was about to blow up and everything and. She actually met some dude she didn't know, got pregnant, and her modeling career went out the window. So she, at six months old, she threw me in a neighborhood dumpster. Um, and luckily, one of the neighbors, oh, she, she, she threw me in the dumpster, then she left. So I forgot to add that part. So then, um, luckily, one of the neighbors came and happened to be taking out their trash. And they're like, oh, my God, here's, I know this, they heard a baby crying in the dumpster. They're like, oh, my God, like, I know this baby. And I'm just thankful I happened to be crying because it's like, what if I was asleep or something and she would have never known? So I guess she says like, oh, my God, I know I know his his mom and grandma. So she goes, she went, she goes to my grandma's house. Nobody's there. So 
she knows my grandma usually is at church on this certain day. So she calls my grandma's church this is before cell phones. So she calls my grandma's church and tells her, you need to come home because I found your grandkid in the, tr in the dumpster and I don't know where his mom is at. So my grandma came and basically months later, she hasn't heard from my mom. So when she finally did hear from her, she took her to court, got custody. And then my grandma had me, my grandma was, she had me up until I was four years old. And, um, she, my mom didn't have me because when they went to court, the judge told her she'll, she can never have me again, ever. Um, my mom happened to just, she just left again or whatever. I seen her a couple times here and there, even though my grandma wasn't supposed to let her see me, but they weren't really great experiences either. Um, so my grandma was, uh, I was four years old and my grandma had a nervous breakdown. So from then I had to, she was in the hospital for a year. So during this year, I was in between homes going place to place. So then I actually found another, I found an actual permanent home, which was my mom's sister. So I stayed with them and um, I stayed with her sister, her husband, their kids and everybody. So I was the youngest one and I was the only one that wasn't an actual family member. So the house sucked. They were, they were horrible. They were mean people. It was child abuse every single day, especially for me because I was the one that was just like the outsider. And um, there was a lot of times I went hungry. I didn't really have bed, uh, like warm clothes to wear when it was cold. It was, it was crazy, but their kids did, you know? And um, so it was something about me they just didn't like. And I think it's because they hated my mom. Like my aunt hated my mom. So she took that out on me. Um, so we went to church all the time and I had certain opinions about God and religion because the way these people were, I'm like, there's no way that there could be like a God that, that is okay with the way they treat their kids. Mm. And I always knew something about every time we went to church wasn't right. How are you going to go to church and then you get beat when you get home? Like, it just doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. So the, yeah. their, their behavior was not in alignment with the values that they were maybe espousing to. No, exactly. So, and this, and these people are in the pulpit, like the pulpit people, like, and I'm like, so how are these people like this? And I don't know, but a lot of their friends were the same with their kids. So it was sort of normal. I didn't agree to it. I used to wish I was a different religion or I lived in a different family. So I had, um, I had a lot of suicidal thoughts because of the way I was treated. I was told I was fat, you fat boy. Um, I was called a lot of names, man. Um, I had a lot of low self-esteem, and then I had a bad temper. I was always fighting the older kids in the house, and then this led to me fighting the uh, kids at school and bullies that tried to bully me. I was like, I wasn't having that. So I'm like, meet me after school at 3 o'clock. I was that kid, you know. But it was always in self-defense. Like, I was always, like, a nice person. I, these people, like, tested me, and I never knew how to say no. So, at, um, and, and one of the things, I think, in the book that was so clear was, like, your heart always seems so kind and pure. Yeah, and that's how I've always been. It's just, I don't know, maybe I knew I ran to the wrong people or something. I don't know. But I was so nice, people thought that I was punk or something. So they're like, well, I'm going to punk them, but it didn't work. So I had a bad temper and that bad temper followed me. So, and a lot of suicidal thoughts. So I was eight years old. I went in the bathroom, cut myself and I didn't really want to keep doing that. To, like, I just wanted to find a way to hide my depressive thoughts and feelings and stuff like that, low self-esteem. So um, I started writing music, like 
rap lyrics in around eight or nine, and I started writing music. So this helped me throughout the years. So by the time I was about 13, I was visiting my grandma one weekend, and because um, sometimes I would go visit her through the week, you know, for the weekend, so I can get away. They happened, the people in the house happened to be going through my stuff, which is on them, because they went in my room and found my lyrics. And a lot of my lyrics were about them. And they found a lot of, I was saying a lot of curse words and a lot of, it was my, like my journal, is my lyrics. So they found my lyrics and they called my grandma and said, you know what, he never has to come back. So they basically just took my stuff, dropped it off on my grandma. From then I stayed with her for a little bit. Then I moved in with a couple other people. And then decided, then I finally moved in with the aunt of mine and, um, she had like got social security money for me and that's all she cared about. So she was like kind of the same treatment I had before. So after that, I moved out again. I've been to about three, four different places in my life. So high school, I was pretty happy, pretty popular. I didn't have any suicidal thoughts after high school. They came back. Like all my friends were progressing with their lives and I was moving slower than they were. Cause like they had their, families and their, their loved ones and their support systems, like buying them or helping them buy their first cars and their apartments and their houses. And next thing you know, here's my friends like, oh, well, I have a house now. I have a car now. And I'm like, damn, I'm like, I'm still taking the bus and still like struggling. Like I don't have help like them. That really, I guess the whole feeling behind thing really brought on a lot of suicidal thoughts and depression again. Mm -hmm. I was, and I was too too stubborn or scared to ask for help. So I ended well, up- and I think even until this point, like it, it must have felt like the odds were just completely stacked against you. Like everywhere you turned, you kind of couldn't, you couldn't move forward. It was like being stuck in quicksand. And then a lot of the friends I had that I would call best friends, I was their friend, but they weren't my friend. Mm-hmm. It was like, I was basically alone. I was going crazy. I just wanted to find some good people. And like, same thing with the girls I would date. I would date certain girls. They were not the type of girls that I wanted to be with. Like, they were horrible. Like, the city I'm in was like, I describe it as a jungle. It was bad. Hmm. And so it was a lot of thoughts I had. So by the time I'm in my 20s, I still had, I, the thoughts start coming back. So I started drinking popping pills and doing prescription lean syrup, the prescription of uh, purple syrup. I got bored of that because I was like, man, what, what's on the list now? What can I do now to make myself happy? Nothing was working. So I was like, let me just kill myself because that way I'll be happy. So I started planning how to kill myself. And um, by the, I had came up with this, Cause I was like going to drown myself. And then I'm like, no, I don't want to do that. That'd be easy. That was the easiest way. So one day I happened to be um, walking by the train tracks. And I remember back in high school, I was with one of my aunts living there and they would kick me out a lot. And when I, they would lie on me and I would say that they lied. So they kicked me out for that. Pulled guns on me, knives, bats, all types of stuff. Stole my money, all types of stuff. And this is one of my aunts. And um, so I happened to be walking by one of this park that was familiar. I'm like, oh, man, this train station, like, I used to sleep here sometimes in high school. I was like, well, I'm going to get hit by a train. That's what I'm going to do. So I, I had went to the train station. I timed every train that day. I stayed there all day, and I timed every train that came. So I was like, okay, what time am I going to want to go? I'll figure this out. Maybe I'll take the 630 at night train. So one day I happened to be at my friend's house. We're talking. 
And like I said, my suicidal thoughts in religion, I was like, well, whatever happens, I'll just figure it out. I didn't really care at this point. Cause I'm like, if there's an evil wrathful God that's going to tell me he's going to make me burn. And even though I'm unhappy now, then screw it. I don't care what happens. Anything's better than being here. Mm. So, yeah. So I ended up, I was at my friend's house one day and I, I confided in them and told them what I was sort of going through and what I was going to do. They didn't really believe it. They kind of just like brushed it off. And so one day we happened to be like really talking and arguing and they went in the bathroom. I just stormed out of the house because I was mad. And then I left. So as I'm walking now, mind you, I haven't really talked to my mom in years, like 15, 20 years or something like that before this day. So as I'm walking to this, I left my friend's house. I'm walking headed to these train tracks, the very train tracks that I was about to lay in front of and let the train hit me. Cause I was like, well, cause we argued, I'm like the 630 train is way too late. So I would get the, uh, the 331. It was around that time. So it was perfect. So I was like, okay, cool. I'm out of here. And um, so as I'm walking, I hear my friend's uh, horn. She's like, she hawks the horn. She's like, get in the car, get in the car. I'm like, like, dang, like she messed up my plan. Now I got to come mm. up with a different plan. So I got in the car. She's like, I'm just going to take you home. So as she's taking me home, out of all the people that call me, it's my mom at this very moment. And I'm like, how did she even get my number? So she tells me my grandma gave her my number. She said, I've heard you were asking about me. And I just called you. And, um, because she called my grandma every day. That's how they talk. And she said, well, your grandma said you were asking about me, and I called you to tell you, don't ask about me. Um, I'm not your mom. Um, I've never been your mom, and I never wanted you. I never will want you, which reminds me of a time when I was five years old. That's what she told me. Like, I, I don't want you. I never did want you. So this is what that reminded me of. That is so painful. Yeah. And I'm thinking like this because I'm like with my suicide plan, because with, with the suicidal person, once they plan, there's nothing you can do about it. They're going to do it. So I'm like, well, maybe this could be the one thing that changes my mind. If is uh, whatever my mom says, because mm-hmm. this is the root of the situation anyway. So maybe this could be my mind changer. But as she said this, it just confirmed that I wanted to kill myself. So I said, okay, well, I'm done. I'm out of here. And um, so as I'm talking to her, she's like, yeah, um, I never wanted you. Like, I'm not your mom. So I looked at the phone and I said, well, F you, you never were. And I tossed it out the window. So as my friend made a right hand turn, she drives farther. And I just looked at my friend and I was and under my breath. I was like, F this. I just opened it. I couldn't wait any longer. I couldn't make another plan. So I just opened the door and jumped out. How fast were you on the highway? Like how fast was she going? It was on the highway. All I know is there was a red light as she turns the red, as she makes that right turn, she's going, I say maybe about five, six seconds later than I saw and really know how fast the car was going. So my mind was just more like I spaced out then. I was already checked out. So I opened the door, boom. And that's when I remember hitting the back of my head on the concrete. And I had no idea what the heck happened so that's when my near-death experience happened um did you um did you get hit by any other cars or you just no luckily there was no other cars around like this was it's crazy how this happened there was no other cars there mm-hmm. it's her car and as soon as i jumped out all i know is 
I tried to get up because I didn't know I was outside of my body, but I was. And so as I'm looking, I'm like, I look down, I see my body right there. I'm like, wait, how am I here? But I'm standing up. Then I'm like, well, no, maybe I'm just seeing things. So I'm, I'm going to walk home now. So then I started walking. I took maybe like three steps and then I'm in this like nothingness, like this void. And I felt like a supreme, the most supreme presence ever in life. And I knew it was God slash source. I say source because people get confused and they get offended if you like, like God, like, you know. They, right. How do you know yeah. it was God? You. Yeah. It, it sounds like it was just this intense light energy. Yeah. It was so supreme, you know what it is so i'm feeling all these imperfections over me and i'm like wait 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 no like what are you doing i can't i don't deserve to be here like let me let me go back to earth let me get perfect and i'll come back and then we'll talk you know and then i just heard this like telepathically all the questions i had in my mind were answered in the order that i was thinking them so it was like literally let me reintroduce myself to you i am god yes i am real yes angels are real they're a gift for me. Want to meet them? One simple word, I said, no. No. I don't want to see angels. I didn't believe in angels. I didn't believe they existed. So that's why I said no. Like When I think about it now, I'm like, what? Are you stupid? But <laughs> yeah, but so. I mean, but you were really living, like when we think about this concept of heaven and hell, and I think people often think of them as like afterlife concepts, you were really living in hell on earth. Yes. And that's what I felt. And that's what I'm saying. Anything that's, anything has to be better than this. I'm already mm -hmm. going through hell anyway. My whole life has been hell. I fought my whole life. I'm done. That was my thing. Mm -hmm. So. So then after, wait, so after he says, yeah, I am God, I'm real. So then I say, well, um, so I see like this projection screen and um, it's a picture of, not picture, video basically of, here's this guy in a suit with a briefcase walking by. He's like, I love him. And here's this prostitute walking by. I love her. And here's this guy riding a skateboard with a big like doobie in his hand. He's like, I love him. So I'm thinking like, the, what I took from that was I love them all the same. Like, it's mm. no favoritism. So I'm like, well, what am I supposed to do when I go? What am I supposed to tell people, you know, when I go back to Earth so they don't think I'm crazy? So then I feel, get, I feel, I didn't see any face. I didn't see a shape. I didn't see anything. I just felt he got on a knee and gave me a hug. Like you would to your little kindergarten kid or something. Like, you get on their knee and hug them, you know? And then he says, he says, I'll go to the end of the world so everyone is with me. And then he says, after, that's what after he says, go and tell everyone I love them. And then in the air, it's like, poof, here's these words, in all capital letters. And one said, loving, caring, and then you have one in all capital letters and exclamation points that said long-suffering. And the word long-suffering, I remembered that. I heard that years ago. Mm. And so I'm like, what am I supposed to? Okay, so like... How am I supposed to like explain you? And then like after that, he gives me the hug, and then I was like, okay, so go tell everyone you love. And it's and not like a person giving you a hug, right? It's like just feeling like embraced by something. No, literally, I felt. I literally, I felt then like I felt him get down to the knee, and I literally felt the arms wrap around me. It was okay. like a literal hug. Mm -hmm. And but like I said, I didn't see any faces. I didn't see the shadow. I didn't see his shadow. Nothing like that. I just felt it. So it was real as can be. So 
I said, okay. So poof, now I'm midair. And then I see all, like, I'm midair. I see all these angels everywhere, like in circles. And then I just see two on, like one on each side. I just knew looked so familiar. And um, during this time, I was scared because in my mind, I thought I'm going to burn in hell because of what I was taught in church. I'm like, I don't read the Bible. So I knew my thoughts have produced all these Bibles to start flying everywhere and these crosses to start flying everywhere. Like I thought I was going to burn. And I'm like, I'm like, oh, my God, get me out of here. Get me out of here. And the angel on each side, they like both had me by my arm and they're like, it's OK. It's OK. Like, you're OK. It's like, don't worry. Don't be scared. It's OK. And I'm like. They're telling me, don't worry, don't be scared. They're only saying that so they can kill me. They're trying to trick me. That's what it is. You know, that's what I was thinking. The one on my left-hand side, he's like, they're both about nine feet, like nine feet tall. So the one on my right, on my left side was like some type of beetle type of thing with wide wings. I couldn't really see his face all the way because the light was, there was like so much light. I had to like look away. It was like a lot of light. And, um, so he's like, are you sure you want to go? Like with that type of sternness. And I was like, I kind of felt scared anyway. And that's not the way to talk to me when I'm scared. So I looked over to my right side because that one was more like patient. This guy right here, they're both guys. This, the one on my right side was more human than anything. He had brown curly hair, a red flannel shirt with the sleeves rolled up to the elbows, blue jeans and sandals and, um, and wings, of course. But instead of his wings being wide, these wings were tall. Like the wings were like maybe five feet at just the wings. Do you have a sense for why he was in clothes? No. I, I didn't know anything about angels because, mind you, I didn't know they existed. So I, this is just what I've seen. So he had clothes and everything, you know, and I'm like, okay, like, is this normal? Like, he reminded me of like a construction worker. I often say, I have to compare it to, if you've seen the show Roseanne, uh-huh. Dan Connor. Okay. Yeah, like that. Like a Dan Connor. So how long did it feel like you were, how long were you kind of on the other side? To be honest, I don't know. It was probably, it was brief. It was probably only about maybe, I'd say maybe 20 minutes or less. I mean, it really wasn't long, but it's like so much happened. I was like, wait, what? Like so much happened in such little time. Did you Um, feel like you had a choice to come back or not come back? I I did. I did. The thing so, was that there was like this donut hole. If I were to cross that, I would have went. And they even asked me if I wanted to stay or go. So why would you come back to this? I because felt, I think this is important for people who are contemplating suicide, who mm-hmm. think, oh, wow, everything sounds greater over there. Yeah. To, to come back and to live in a human body. Like, what would you say to those people? I felt this urgency. It wasn't about me at this point. I just felt the urgency like, oh, okay, this isn't about me. I need, I need to go back to this place and help out a lot of people that feel like I do. That's why. And they asked me, they're like, do you want to stay or do you want to go? And I was like, I guess I'll go back. But they told me, they leave and let me see because I'm, I'm the most doubtful person ever. Mind you, the life I had, I had so many trust issues. You think I'm just going to believe something the angel tells me and I'm like, okay, I'm good. No, they know I needed proof. So my proof is they told me to look down at my body. So I looked down, and then I look back at them. They're like, no, look again. So I look again, and it zooms in real close like a camera. Then I see my body laying here. I'm like, what the? I'm like, how am I? 
standing here, but at the same time, I'm looking at myself laying down, like, I'm right here. Don't they see me? And I see my friend on the way on the other side on their phone, and then I see the paramedics over my body. And so I look at my angels, and they're like, this stuff really does happen. Hmm. And they're asking me, like, so do you want to stay or you want to go? And they're like, and the one on my right-hand side says, you have so much to do for so many people. I didn't, and that's when I figured, I was like, okay, that's when I felt that urgency to, okay, I'll go back. And do you believe that all of us have that? Like, like, because I know that, first of all, a lot of times when people have family members who have um, died by suicide, their concern is that when they cross over, they go to some negative place because of how they died. That wasn't your experience at all. No. I wasn't judged or anything. They even asked me, like, do you want to stay or you want to go? Like, they left mm-hmm. it up to me. Did you have that life review that people talk about? No. The reason I didn't is because I did not cross that hole that I'm talking about. Had gotcha. I went, had, they were trying to basically convince me not to cross that hole. But some people who, some people ha- do have a life review and come back, right? Yeah. Yeah. My thing, I think I was so deep in it. Had I went across, I, would, I probably wouldn't have came back. Like, they probably know my personality. Had I went across, I wouldn't have came back. I would have been like, oh, no, 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 not going back. So there were no negative ramifications? For- no, not at all. The only negative thoughts were from me. Mm-hmm. I was thinking, like, I was judging myself the worst. But here these angels are, and they're telling me it's okay. We love you. It's okay. Don't be scared. So you you come back into your body, and what's your life like now compared to how it was before this happened? The day, I, well, because I was in the hospital for a few days, you know, <clears throat> and because um, I hemorrhaged a lot and everything. But when I realized something happened was when I was wheelchaired out of the hospital. I couldn't smell. I couldn't talk. I couldn't walk. All my senses were gone. You know, I had some pretty bad head trauma. So... I really am that day I got wheelchaired out of the hospital. That's when like I looked up at the sky and knew something was something happened. And then at that point I was, I started to be fearless of death because that's always been my biggest thing as a kid, my fear of death. I'm like, I don't want to burn in a place like for eternity just because I don't read the King James version Bible, mm-hmm. you know, like, so, so at that moment, you had you recalled this experience. Yeah, at that very moment, I didn't really real, I didn't really remember, but I just knew something happened. It wasn't until months later when I started recuperating or recovering, whatever you call it, and I started realizing I'm like, oh my gosh! So it was about maybe three months, four months after. I was like, I went outside of my body and met my angels. Like it just came. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now you still use your angels, right? They're, they're your guides. Can you talk a little bit about how you do that? They actually, the, this is how they introduce themselves, like reintroduce themselves again. I was getting out of the shower one day and I was losing my balance still because I wasn't, I couldn't really stand up straight or talk. And whenever I would try to talk, my tongue would get like stuck to my throat. I couldn't really say anything. So I remember at this very moment, they're like, I need you to empty your mind of everything you've ever known. We're going to teach you what you need to know. And I'm like, okay. 
And for some reason, I knew the familiar, the, it was familiar. Those two angels were familiar. So they're like, the first thing we're going to teach you is the reason why you can't really talk or walk like you want to. Your brain has suffered a lot. You have a lot of head trauma. Your brain controls everything. It's your control panel. And I'm like, whoa, that's deep, you know? So, <laughs> so after that, I was like, well, you guys just stick around, man. Like, so after that, I start looking for more, looking out for listening for them more. And they started telling me more things like about um, my experience. They're like, don't you remember? You like, remember when you were trying to get up, you were going outside your body. Remember the ones that said like, I wouldn't do that if I were you. That was us. That was us. We were telling you that. I'm like, oh, what? That's crazy. Yeah, we were trying to make you not go to the other side. So, yeah, I mean, so after that, I just start listening to them more. It made me a better person. And they tell you things like on, and some people might think it sounds crazy, but they literally, you can, I can tell my angels everything and like every, literally everything. And, and do you, and do you feel like they respond? Oh, they do. I hear them all day, all night. They always talk, always. And so what, what does your life look like now? What do you do? How has it changed? It's changed, uh, it changed completely. Um, I went from a suicidal, negative, really negative person, an angry person, um, but still had a kind heart. Like I just wanted some love. And after my experience and after my angels were in my life and everything, they made me the most patient, um, understanding person. I understand people so much better. Now I understand nature, like trees, all that. I love nature. I love, I'm, I've never been an animal fan, but I understand, I, Appreciate I understand. It yeah, I appreciate like. it. There you go. Like I appreciate them. I appreciate plants, and I don't like like to pollute, to like pollution and stuff like that. Like, I like the patience. I really have so much patience and calmness, and that stuff that I wished I had before, I have mm. now. And a lot and, of people tell me how I'm different. And and. What have you, what do you do for a career now with your patients? So the funny thing about it is after my experience, I started like looking for new careers. So I went from a crossing guard and then the crop, I love the kids. And I was like, man, I've always loved kids always. So the crossing guard thing went to being with special ed kids. So now my career is revolved around special ed kids. Now with that career, you better be patient. You have to have a very patient mindset because you have to deal with not only the kids, but the parents as well. And some of the parents aren't so appreciative of special ed teachers and stuff mm -hmm. like that. So, and I understand that. So it's, it's cool. It's okay. So you have completely turned your life around, or I should say your life has been completely turned around. Do you ever have thoughts of suicide? anymore no especially i honestly my energy is more into speaking out about it so what would you say to someone who's contemplating that most suicidal people look for love somewhere and what i can say is there's someone out there that loves you someone don't give up just yet 
whatever you're going through is temporary. I promise it, it will be over before you know it without you having to try to actually go through with the experience like mine. Mm-hmm. Well, Chris, what an inspiring, it's just an incredible, inspiring story of resilience and love. And I hope that you're, I think it can't help but come through your, your sweetness and your heart, you know, when you speak. So thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me, to educate my listeners, to tell them your story, uh, and to share your message about love and light and kindness with the world. Glad to be here. And if people want to find out more about you or your book, where can they, where can they do that? Well, my book, Boom, Life and Times of a Suicide Near-Death Experiencer, it is available on Amazon as well as Kindle. And um, as far as my book, it's a social. Well, I do YouTube videos too. Um, YouTube, if they want to search me, they can type no bad vibes, space seven, um, um, N-O-B-A-D-V-I-B-E-S space seven. And I'll have all this in my show notes okay. as well for everybody so they can reference that. Yeah, Thank or just you. Google me. They'll find me. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you again. Google, Google's the answer to everything, right? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you again, Chris, today. Thank you for having me. I love being here. Like what you heard today and want to hear more? Wondering what comes next and what it all means? Head over to Apple Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or anywhere you get your podcasts and hit subscribe. Also, if you could take a minute to rate and review my podcast, I would really appreciate it. Stay tuned as we continue to explore life, death, and the space between. <laughs>